Okay. <coughs> Hashem, we're talking about a very big yisod. Not just in Chassidus, but in Amuna. A very big yisod in Amuna. Which began with the with the question of according to according to Teresa Balsha Simsum, which is like Ipshuto, and the Yisod of all Hasidus, which we've been talking about since the beginning of the Shiurim, Batamachayis Kulam, everything is Chiyas Hashem, place also Ponrimine, there is no place without God, everything is Elokus. So we were talking about how is it possible that there could be a world that's divided between the Karmas Kedoshim. There are places that are holy, there are places that are impure. To understand the status of creation of the world, of places and things, places that are holy and not holy, things that are holy and not holy. It's also if there's no place without God. And everything is a locus. So how could the world be divided? That's the question that we're dealing with. It's a very basic question, Amunah of how to perceive godliness. And in order to understand this, we're basically learning outside the Torah of the Tzemech Tzedek in Derech Mitzvah Secha Puruvu, also from some other places, but but mostly from Derech Mitzvah Secha. To understand that there are two bchinas in Alakuz, which we've been talking about for a while, but to try to understand in a simple way, there's the bchina of of sovev, of sovev kol almin, of sovev or makif, and there's the bchina of mimali. We experience God in these two ways, as surrounding and filling. And we spoke about that for a while last week, with the marshal of the, as far as the mamale, the filling light, the marshal of the Rebbe and the Talmud, the Rebbe is imparting wisdom to the Talmud, the Talmud has to be a kli to receive that. In that case, where there's a, where there's a Rebbe and a Talmud, the, the teaching must be designed specifically for the understanding, for the mind that should be suited for that child, for that student, to be able to affect him and to change him, to make him into somebody who's able to have that way of thinking even when the Rebbe's not there, to transform the student. That inner light that is imparted from the Rebbe to the Talmud changes him and makes him like the Rebbe in his understanding. On the other hand, the Makiv, the surrounding light. The Moshal is used of the of the Orhashamash, of the light of the sun, which has no inion of changing the world or making anything in the world giving anything in the world the ability to illuminate, to shine. It, it's it doesn't it's 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 everywhere. The light of the sun is everywhere. But it doesn't. It doesn't permeate. It doesn't. It doesn't make a difference or distinction between whether it's 
this place or that place or this thing or that thing. It's, it is. And therefore, when it's not, it's dark. And, and, and the only way that the light will be there is when the light of the sun reappears. And we spoke at the end last week about Kaiches and Nefesh, our own Kaiches and Nefesh, and how there are Kaiches Makifim and there are Kaiches Pnimim, Kaiches Sarvivim and Kaiches Dedamamalim. And the Tzemach Sadiq explains, and all the Tzadikim explain, that each Avery, each part of the body, has a certain Koach. Hanefesh that's designed for the eye to enable the eye to see and for the ears to hear and so on and for the mind to think. The Karchis Pnimium, the Amimalim, and and um, without which the eye wouldn't be able to see and the ear wouldn't be able to hear. Those are Karchis Pnimium, Karchis Mimalim. To make the chavits of the eye into something that can see, and the ear into something that can hear. <coughs> On the other hand, the kaiches hanefers that are makifim is life itself, chiyas, existence, life, rotsen, rotsen, meaning the kaiach harotsen, which is a makif and soivev, is a is a koch klali. It's a general koach that gives life and existence to the entirety of the body, including including every single limb of the body. But it doesn't have a mokum. It doesn't have an address. It's not the eye, it's not the ear. It's a koach klali. It's a general koach. According to this marshal, we can now understand, we'll continue, we can now understand that that if a person's eye, if a person's eye is injured, and the koach that specific custom-designed koach of the eye to see, is unfortunately not working, has been damaged. And as a result of that, the koach hanefesh that's called vision, re'ia, seeing, is not functioning, is not mashpia. The Rebbe is not teaching the eye. Well, the eye, even if the Rebbe might be trying to teach, the mind is trying to teach, but the eye, the student, is not able to be makabal, was injured. And the eye, God forbid, is damaged, and because of that, the eye is not able to be makabal, that hashpah. Or a person of a person's mind, if a person is very, very tired, he comes to a class, and the mind is temporarily malfunctioning. It's exhausted. The person's exhausted, and as a result of that, he can't concentrate. So even though even though the 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 mind is alive, the it's alive. Nevertheless, for, for this class, this, the minder, or the koach is not is not able to be mashpia to the seichel, right? The koach the student, the seichel, 
is sleeping. The seichel is tired, the person is tired, he had, a, he had a hard day, he's going to a shir or something, a class. And the koch seichel, that particular koch of the seichel is tired. The Talmud, the student, the seichel, is not able to, is not able to, to function. So that particular mokum, it's like there's a sign on that mokum called the brain, and it says, like, you know, closed. Closed. The same way that if the that, that if the Talmud is in some way, the student is in some way not feeling well or not paying attention and so on, he can't concentrate. So then the then the hashpa of the of the Rebbe is not able to be mamale the student, it's not able to fill the student. However, as far as the Kirkus Aklolius, the Kirkus Amakifim of the soul, it's obvious that the mind is, of this of the student is alive. Is still alive, and even though the owner of the eye, unfortunately, the eye is damaged, but the and the and the owner is not able to see with the, to have that kohacharia, still, it's alive. It's not this particular organ. This place is closed. But the kohakloli. And you'll see why in a few minutes why it's important to understand all of this. The Koach the general Koach of life, is still is still there. The Hashpah of the Pnimi in the eye and the mind might not be working, but the Koach HaMakit, the Koach HaRatzen, is still there. Adke that there's an expression that we have from Chazal, it's not clear exactly, you know, in this lotion where it comes, but Chazal say, end of her means that there is such a thing that the person's rotsen is so strong that even though the mind <coughs> is very, very exhausted, is very tired, and that particular place is malfunctioning, end of her the koha kloli of rotsen, of life, is so strong that it's possible, even, even in that state, it's possible sometimes for the for the rotsen to be so strong that that even when the tzad pnimi or the koch pnimi is is not working or is weak, but the koch kloli, the koch chaim, the koch rotsen is so strong that he might be able to understand the shear. He might be able to he might be able to 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 chap the shear, even though the even though the koch pnimi is not is is not really working or it's very weak. Because ain't of because the koch of chiyas and the koch rotsen is very very strong, the koch that 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 is the entirety of the person, even though the particular limb or the particular organ is not there's such a thing as that the koch can actually animate a limb and an organ even if itself is is somewhat damaged. So the ikur rabbi say now is that is that this chiyas aklalis this general chiyas that's called the Orhamakiv, doesn't enter into any makam. It doesn't enter into a makam. But on a deeper level, it's the essence of the person. It's the chis of the person that's always there, as long as the person is alive. Using this muscle of the person, it's always there. <coughs> and the person's entire existence depends on it. 
So now we can now we can return to the sugya that we're learning, and to understand again this basic yisod in Amuna. and then after this we'll be able to move on to Yichud Hashem and, and to understand Kaldeis Hashem and and Yichud Yiloh Yichud Tatar many many basic yisod this nechasid this nevodas Hashem. Despite the fact that in order to create the world, the tzimtzum took place. And Hashem concealed His infinite light. And He created the Cholol, that empty space, that appears empty, the Mokim that appears empty. Nevertheless, we believe that Leis Asa Panui Mineh, that there is no place without God. And this is the, this is the dilemma of Amuna. How could it be that God removed Himself and yet he's everywhere. Right? That's what we've been talking about. How can it be that he removed himself and he's everywhere? And And as it says in the Svarm, especially in the Chabad Svarm, every second, second sentence is that that Hashem is the same, that he, right now Hashem is exactly the same as he was before creation, that absolutely nothing has changed from before creation to after creation, before the Tzimtzum and after the Tzimtzum. Over Chalzos, the light of Hashem is Behel. We don't see it right now. We're sitting in this Bismedrish and we don't see it and we don't feel it. And it's Behelim, it's concealed from us. It's not Mizgala. So the answer is that the infinite light of Hashem is an ormakif. It's a surrounding light. It's the surrounding light. It's the ormakif. And the meaning of that is, is that it's noichach bakol. It is everywhere. It's the chiyas. It's the life of all that exists every single second. If it wouldn't be, as the Tanya says in Shayich nothing would exist. It would be for a split second. That that chiyas of elokus would not be every single second of Hashem would not be infusing it into creation. There would be no creation. Everything would return to Tovavo. But on the other hand, the Or Einsov, because it's Makiv, is not Nitpas Bebchines Mokim. It's not, it's not experienced as a, in a particular place. We'll see when we learn Tanya to understand this a little bit more. In a particular Makam. And there can be places where the Shechina is Megala more, more to a higher degree. Mekomas Kedoshim. And there could be places where the, where the light of Hashem is so hidden that this place could be in a Makam Tameh. This or Einsof surrounds and gives chiyos and life to all exists, but it doesn't fill a particular place, a specific place, that it should be revealed in that way. So now, when we talk about Yushalayim has Kedusha, <coughs> there's a Makam Kaddish. On the other hand, we talk about places that are Makamas, that are Tameim, that are impure. It doesn't mean to say, God forbid, that that God doesn't exist, 
in that place of the Avadazar. God is everywhere. It doesn't mean to say that God doesn't exist in the bathroom, even though we're not allowed to say the name of Hashem in the bathroom. We're not allowed to walk into the church. So we, we experience that as a header velokus, as an absence of God. To us, it seems that there's a terrible, terrible absence of, of God, a velokus, in the, in the bathroom or in the church. That there's a terrible absence of God. And therefore, it's a malkam tamah. <coughs> But chasva chalila to think that God is not there. Chasva shalom. There's no question that the or ein sof, the infinite light of Hashem, is everywhere without any gvul. Over cholzos, you're not allowed to walk into the church and you can't say Torah in the bathroom. Now, in the sixth parak of Tanya, what you have in front of you is a wonderful thing. It came out recently, which I, I, I really very, very strongly recommend. The same Reb Chaim Miller who put out the beautiful Gutnuk Chomoshem, you know, the Lubavitcher Chomoshem. So he put out the first Chaylik of Tanya. It's called the Practical Tanya. It just came out recently. And he sent this to me. And um, it's, it's extraordinarily clear and, and, and straightforward. And for those for whom the Chassidus Mubaris might be still a challenge because of the Loshan here. Not only is it the, that the English translation is the best English translation I've ever seen of Tanya, but on every single page he has practical lessons and reviews. It's like teachings, like you have a fantastic shir of Tanya. The first chelik of Tanya, the first 53 prokim, came out. So what you have in front of you is a, is a page from Perik Vav. Ideally, if you, when you go home, or you have a chance over Shabbos to learn Perik Vav inside the entire parak to learn it properly. We're just going to do a little part of it. We'll do a little part of it. You see where it says section three, how does evil exist? You see? How does evil exist? Now this this entire parak the Altarebi is talking about the Zelumaza of the of we have the Nefesh Elokis, and we learned this in the Tanya Shirem years ago, we have the Nefesh Elokis, but on the other hand, we have the Nefesh Bahamas, and the, the animal soul, and the Tanya explains that the same way that the Nefesh Elokis is, is, consists, is built, is constructed of the ten spheres, and the Levushim, the garments of Machshava, and Dibur, and Maisa, and so on, so too, Zelu the Nefesh Bahamas also, is the spheres, and the Levushim, And the Rebbe sets out to explain in this parak how is it possible that there's evil? How does evil exist? How could there be evil? If everything is God. If everything is a little we understand the Nefesh Elokis. But what is the Nefesh Bahamas? What does that mean? The Nefesh Bahamas. And, and uh, how could it be that a person wants something other than what's right and what's good? How could a person himself not want elokus? How could he want even something which is evil, or to or to to seek pleasures that are things that are that are contradicting the Ratzon Hasha? How could a person contradict the Ratzon Hasha? How could the how could the world seem to contradict the Ratzon Hasha? So the entire paragraph is very very basic and important, but the part that we need to really just see is this little part. 
how does evil exist? So the Lashon of the Tanya, so you see how he does it here. He brings the Lashon in Hebrew, and he translates it right away and explains it. So we could just read it on the bottom, under where it says, section 3, how does evil exist? An entity which lacks bittel cannot be a vessel for God's holiness. You remember when the Kotzka was a little boy, and he and somebody stopped him and said that we heard you very, very smart. Could you, could you, if you're so smart, then where is God? And you remember what the Kotzka answered. What did he answer? Wherever man lets him in. Right? Wherever you let him in. There's a couple of words that's all of Amuna. Where is God? Wherever man lets him in. <clears throat> so what the, what the little boy, the Kotzka, was saying is that God is everywhere. He wasn't, when he said wherever man lets him in, so does that mean that you, would actually, you can actually shut out God? You don't let God into the church? You're not letting God into the bathroom? Or you're, God forbid, you're doing an avayr, you're not letting God into that moment of your life? Can you shut God out? God is everywhere, and he gives life to all that exists, and nothing can exist without him. Is it possible to actually shut him out? So the, so the Kotzka said, if you don't let him in, if you don't let him in, you will not experience his presence. He's not saying if you don't let him in, he's not there. Because what's necessary to let God in anywhere or even in anything or any place, now how a place or a thing can do this, we'll, we'll get to. But in order to allow God in, there needs to be the Koch of Bittl. The Koch of Bittl. Any person, place, or thing which sees itself as independent from God is not letting him in. That doesn't mean that he's not there. His presence, of course, is the chiyas of all that exists. But that particular person or place will not experience him. Will will be ki'ilu, there is no God here. And if it gets really bad, it could become it could be a makom tamei or a person who is a Russian. It gets really bad. So let's just read a little bit from the words of the time. An entity which lacks bittel cannot be a vessel for God's holiness. I will call my sheinu bottle etzli isbarach eluhu dover nifrod bifnei atzmo. Anything, however, which has not surrendered its ego to God, that's so beautifully put. Anything which has not surrendered its ego to God and perceives itself a separate entity to itself. Now again, <coughs> how could a place do that? Or an object do that? We'll get to it at the very end. It's not a, it's not a kasha. Obviously, it has, to do with, it has to do with the people who are in that place, or the people who are using that thing. And perceives itself a separate entity to itself. <laughs> Will not receive its life energy from God's holiness. This leaves us with a question. So another question is, Rabbi Miller explains, this leaves us with a question. Where does such an entity derive its spiritual energy and life force from, if not from God? So, if God is not allowed into this person, or this place, then how does it go on functioning? <coughs> how could anything exist if it doesn't let God in? Doesn't the monotheistic belief of Judaism teach 
that everything exists by virtue of God's sustenance alone. So how does it go on? How could it exist for even a second? To solve this problem, the Tanya offers us a Kabbalistic... It's really much easier if you look inside. To solve this problem, unless your mind is not working, like we see, the mind is not working, you're tired. To solve this problem, the Tanya offers us a Kabbalistic insight into how evil forces come to exist. In contrast to the holy and the pure, which emanate directly from God, the evil and impure are also sustained by God's light, but indirectly so. That's the Ohamakif, the surrounding light which gives chiz, which gives life to all that exists, but doesn't attach itself to every address, or to the address in particular. Evil can only exist because it is a distant offshoot of the good, a pale shadow of its holy source. An impure entity does not receive its life energy directly from the splendorous inner essential core of holiness itself, but rather from what's called its behind, from behind, acharayim. You would greet a friend, you see on the next slide, you would greet a friend with a warm smile. But when meeting somebody you don't like, it, may be, it might be hard to look at him in the face. You might want to turn your back on him. Similarly, God gives life force to the negative and the impure. But he does so from behind, so to speak, since he despises evil. So how does that work? The life force of impure things descends from its initially holy source step by step, tens of thousands of times through the spiral of spiritual worlds and it is diminished many times through cause and effect transitions, to the point where its divine light and energy has been so repeatedly diluted, that it can be diminished, garbed, and exiled into an autonomous entity, of course, it gives its existence to energize and sustain that thing's existence from nothing to something. To prevent it from reverting to be null and void, which was its primordial state. So Hashem gives life to it. But it's called Acharai. It's like the rabbi, if there'd be, it's not, it's not a good time yet for questions, we still need to just to get a little bit straight. It's like if the rabbi is not, I think almost everybody has at some point in life been exposed to a rabbi, or if not a rabbi, a professor or something, or a teacher, that is really not particularly interested in, in, in imparting that wisdom to you. Just sits in the class and my, my, my kids came home all the time through school saying that, you know, that uh, when they were little, they didn't really realize what was going on. Then in high school, they said, we're old. They would just say that this teacher just got up and said stuff that made absolutely no sense to anybody. And, 
and we weren't allowed to ask questions, and even if we did, they were sort of uh, brushed off and not explained. And there was no there was no relationship between of panim al panim between the reb between the teacher and the student. Now the kid was officially in class and got grades and was attending school, but but none of the wisdom was was absorbed. It was all given acharaim derech acharaim. It was given in a way from behind, not panim al panim from behind. And we've spoken about this many times. There are relationships like that between husbands and wives, and parents and children, and students and teachers, and so on. It's acharaim. The same way that the the same way that the son indifferently gives his light to the world. It doesn't pay any particular attention to this place or that place. It indifferently sheds its light on the world. If you want to go outside and get it, okay. If you don't want to, that's okay. If you're if you're going to be warmed by it, that's fine. And if you're not warmed by it, the sun doesn't care. It's that light is a, comes by way that's called acharaim. So the logic here, just let's read a little bit more, and I'll explain a little bit. You can ask. The logic or comment, the logic here follows a principle, which we will elaborate upon in the second book of Tanya, that creation is a continuous process. If God would not constantly energize creation, <coughs> it would revert to the nothingness from which it came. Here the problem concerns evil. If God is not present in evil, then how can its existence constantly renew? If you don't let God in, then how could how could you exist? The Tani answers that God's present that God's presence is to be found in evil, but in such a diminished form, meaning diminished, garbed, and exiled, that it exhibits no divine properties. I didn't fudge out the second page because just another sentence on this other. Therefore, this physical world and its contents is the world of Klippus and Sitrachra. He explains, The natural disposition of physical, th- of physical beings is to sense their own autonomous existence and to see the world as having inherent reality outside of God. That's the way we exist, to see the world as having inher- ourselves as having inherent reality outside of God. The predominant energy of the world, then, is klipa and sitra to keep the light of God out, to prevent the light of God from penetrating. That's the natural disposition of the world. Or in the terminology of chesidus, oilimus bepshitis, that it seems to us that the world is an obvious real thing, but elokus, but when it comes to God, it's the opposite of that. That's, that's, elokus is something which is not bepshitis, that's a chiddush. Elokus is a chiddush. In other words, the world, the world is obvious, and physical reality is bepshitus. Bepshitus means that we experience it; it's obvious to us, and that's how we live. That's what we experience. That elokus, that godliness, should be experienced in our lives. When that happens, we feel that as a chiddush. Wow, it's a chiddush. <coughs> So you're, you're, you're by Nila, it's a chiddush. You had a fabrengen or, or something, and you have a, something, a feeling that there's something big going on, there's something godly that's happening. We experience that as a chiddush. The world 
our lives, my own existence, I feel that bepshitas. And because of that, I, I want to enjoy myself and to give pleasure to my body, to my guf, which I experience bepshitas. Someone says to you, get up, get up at 5 o'clock in the morning or something, to daven, to go to a shi or something, to do that. So we feel that as a chiddush. Because I have to overcome the pshitas, which is saying stay in bed. And I have to opt for a chiddush, which is called elokus. To try to connect to elokus, which I don't experience, I don't touch, I don't feel. I don't, I don't, it's not something which is, which, uh, uh, which is penetrated into me. The world has penetrated it, penetrated into us. And we're completely affected by everything in the world. We're taken very much by the world because the Olamist is Bepshitis. So Bepshitis, we might think that, uh, that a president or a king or whatever is in charge of my life. Bepshitis, my boss, is the one who's going to determine whether I live or I die. And so on. Bepshitis. Olamist Bepshitis. So it used to be, at the, at the beginning of the 20th century, here in America, that if a, if a Jew would opt to stay home for Shabbos, right? He was told by the entire world that he's not going to have a Parnassah, and many Jews went through terrible hardships. And there were those who, even though the Pshitas was that you're, going to, you're not going to have a job, you're not going to live, there were, there were people who gave in to the Pshitas, and many of their grandchildren are not Jewish anymore. Some are, some aren't. But there were those who opted for the Chiddush of Elokuz. The Chiddush of Elokuz is something which they didn't see. Because the Maisa, they, they, they missed that, they missed two, two Shabbos in a row, and the boys said, you're fired. The boys, who were mostly Jewish, said that you're fired. My, my father described to me how when he came when he came here and he, and he was working in the garment district in Manhattan, uh, so he said that everybody spoke everybody spoke Yiddish. They, were, he, they set him up in a place where the, everybody was Jewish, and he said that the the boss was uh, was the boss was here in America already for like fifty years before, and 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 when my father spoke to him about Shabbos, he said to my father he, he says uh, he said to my father. Mr. Weinberger, uh, that was finished. You understand? That was that was finished in Europe. That was done. You got to get that out of your head. You got to get that out of your head. That used to be, but that's not over here. My father said he spoke. He, my father said he was a Galiciana. He said he spoke the most Heimish Yiddish. You know, like, and and he threw in words of Torah. You know, them, and and he said Shabbos is finished. My father never saw such a beer in his life. From where he came, he didn't see such a person like that. He says, "There's no Shabbos. That's that, that's finished. None. Here, the pshitas is you work on Shabbos. Oylemus means that you see something, you have a tire for it, you get excited, and it could cause you to forget that there's a God, because God is a chiddush in our experience. We we feel that it's a chiddush." I feel that if I, if I opt for God, I'm doing something heroic. I'm doing something unusual. Other people say, 
You're weird. That's strange. What are you doing? Now, who are you talking to? Why do you get up in the morning <coughs> to, to, to go to pray? Because to the world, it's a chiddush. Whoever, to the degree that one is mevatel himself, to that reality of elokus, to the degree that he is mevatel himself, he can experience elokus, and he can even become an, an ish kaddish, a helagimensh, a holy person, who's permeated with elokus, who feels it, not just every. God gives life to all of us. God gives life to that boss in, in, in the, uh, at the job also, says there's no such thing as Shabbos. He can't speak with that God. But he doesn't experience it. It's experienced as something which is chiddush. So this world, therefore, the Tanya says, It's covered with the shells. And it's called the other side because this is a world where God feels like it's other. And the sitra'achva, the, the side of, of impurity, makes it seem, the world itself makes it seem as if God is something other. Not that it's Him. It's not, it's not Him. It's something other. The natural disposition of physical things is to sense their own autonomous existence and see the world as having inherent reality outside of God. The predominant energy of the world, then, is Klip and Sitra'achah. Let me just read to you that you don't have it. Just the next sentence. Therefore, all the affairs of this world, Koshim Viroim. It's a tough sentence. Everything in this world, Koshim Viroim. Tough and evil. Tough. Koshim Viroim. And wicked men prevail. Tough. The world is tough. You have to break through. That, that veneer, that klipa. It's hard. So much before, yeah. I can't hear. With the yeah. So it's really just a matter of degrees how far the light or Hashem descends into Makam Kamas, let's say into the base measures, or into Makam Tumma. Right. It just stops sooner. Yeah. Correct, that's correct. And, and, Human beings, who are like like the Kaska said, have the ability to decide where to let in or not, where to let him in, and where not to let him in. <coughs> now, how did Yerushalayim become Yerushalayim? What does that mean? And how did the the Vatican have to become the Vatican? So we're gonna we'll, we'll explain a little bit more. But that's exactly it. That's exactly it. It's an interception. It's a, it's an interception. The enemy has intercepted. Correct. And Hashem and Hashem created the world in order that that we have that bechira. Or else we could have remained in Shemayim where there were no possible interceptions. Right, but we can intercept before. Absolutely. That's our job. That's our job. So, the Yisoda that Tanya is explaining here is that Kedusha, holiness, 
doesn't understand that what Rabbi Moshe is saying. I thought that Hashem's presence is all is equal, and we're pushing Him out. No, no, no. That's what, that's what he's saying. Let me just explain. Let me explain a little bit more. Kedusha means that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is is allowed into that place or that person. In order for Hashem to be, the Ormachiv is everywhere. In order for Hashem to be allowed in and to be experienced, just like with the Rebbe and the student, remember, in order that the Ormachiv should become an or, should become an Orpanimi, or let's put it this way, when the Rebbe walks, in, let's say it's a it's a the Rebbe is a great a great Talmud Chacham, and he comes into the class, the Shir. In order for the <coughs> Rebbe, in order for the Rebbe, who when he walks into the class, when he walks in is the Rebbe an or makif and or pnimi. When he walks in, he's a makif. When the Rebbe walks in, he's no makif. You just try to imagine if we're sitting here, and 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 like the rugged would walk in. So it's a total or makif. No, it's not like that when you have a, a Rebbe that's close, or or the same as you, or a little bit higher than you in some knowledge. But when the Rogachov walks in, or the Chassam Seifer walks in, or the Noidi Behuda, it's an Ormakiv. And everybody just stands up, and, and, and nothing's happening. It's just an Ormakiv. Meaning, nothing's happening, everybody's in the awe, but nothing is being affected or changed. It's an Ormakiv. We're not, we're not experiencing the Noidi Behuda, the Chassam Seifer, it's an Ormakiv. Then an amazing thing happens. The Chassam Sofer says, sit, everybody sit down. The second that he even speaks, everybody feels already a little bit better. That's the Chassam Sofer. <coughs> they heard about the Chassam Sofer. And the Chassam Sofer says, it's okay, sit down. Now, those Talmidim, the students who are in the, who are in the Shia of the Chassam Sofer, who are bottled to the Chassam Sofer, who, let, who surrender their ego, their minds, to the greatness of that individual, of the Chassam Seifer. And the Chassam Seifer begins to descend level after level, tzimtzum, right? <coughs> Descends level after level, so that even the average people in the room are able to experience this shear of the Chassam Seifer. By the Chassam Seifer designing the shear for simple people, and him descending thousands of levels down to us, the Chassam Seifer comes down to us. And by us allowing him into our lives, by what? By letting go of that part of us that says, I can't possibly have anything to do with him. He's so totally beyond me. Right? I have no shaykhs to the Chassam Seifer. Or, or another way, I don't need him, I'm a fine person without him. I, I'm, I myself am a Talmud Chacham, I don't need the Chacham Zayf. It's crazy to talk like that, but I don't need him. No, instead we have a meeting. The meeting takes place between the Chacham Zayf and the Oilam. The Chacham Zayf walked in, he's a Makif. And over the course of the next two hours, the Orhapnimi, begins to penetrate into every part of the Talmidim who are, who are listening, who are attuned, who let go of their previous way of understanding the Gemara, 
I know the Pshat and the Gemara, who let go of that way of understanding, that immature way of understanding the Gemara. They surrender their way of understanding. They make themselves totally open. They open the door wherever the Chassam Sofer comes. They let him in to understand. And the Chassam Sofer descends to meet that, the, the, the Chavra and the Shia. And then they could walk out having experienced the Chassam Sofer. And if they do this often enough, they can become great disciples of the Chassam Sofer and become the next generations, teachers, who give over the Chassam Sofer. So when the Tanya is talking about here the existence of evil, how could that be? The world and all that exists, like the student, has is challenged to be prepared to prepare itself to receive the hashpa of the of the Rebbe, of the Or of Elikus, the infinite light of Hashem. The eye of the person has to be healthy in order to see. There's a general chiyas, there's, there's a chiyas that's called life, and life offers itself to the person's body, including the eye, that the eye is alive. But in order for the eye to be able to experience eyesight and vision, it has to be healthy. It has to be a kli that is prepared to... <coughs> that's healthy in such a way that it's able to receive the hashpah of the koch from the nefesh, then that particular chiz, that energy of eyesight, is able to, is able to work and the person is able to see. So when it comes to hashpah, hashchina. How, does, how is it that the shechina, how does the shechina create a chalois of Kedusha? A chalois of Kedusha by a particular place. That this place, the kever of the tzaddik, is a makam kaddish. The shul is a makam kaddish. <coughs> or a particular chayfetz of the tfilm, the sevetar, the tfilm, the mezuzah, that this object is an object of Kedusha. It means that that particular person, place, or thing must be bottled, must allow Hashem to enter in such a way that through that bittle of its own independent yeshus, its own independent anochius when it comes to a person, it's able to receive the lesson, the shir, kivyochal, from Hashem, which penetrates to the core and is experienced <coughs> by that person, that place, or thing. Now again, we didn't, what, what does it mean by a place or a thing? They don't have free choice. Why is it that there are some places that are bottled to Hashem, and, there, and there's Kedusha there, and there are other places that are not bottled to Hashem? Like when you build, when, we, when this building is built, so the Besamedrus is built, and then you have, and you have Lahavdal, you have bathrooms that are built. In the base of Madras, all, all that we want to do is to talk about Hashem. In the bathroom, we're not allowed to talk about Hashem. Like, how did that happen? It was just a couple of, a couple of workers put the place together. This room, this room is, is filled with the Ormamale, the Chis of Elokuz, and it's filled with Torah. 
and there's the biggest mitzvah in the world is to talk Torah in this room. The biggest mitzvah in the world. And you walk, you walk five seconds over there, and there's a Besakisa. And if you and if you say Torah in the Besakisa, you're over Neveir. If you say God's name in the Besakisa, you did Neveir. Does that mean that the builders, they're mostly Italian guys that were here, as I recall, that they had that they had in mind something? They didn't have in mind anything. They didn't mind to do a good job to get paid. And and did we did we have to do something? Yes, there are certain things that have to be done in the shul. There are certain conditions that are made, and certain certain intentions that one that one or that the keel has in order to in order to allow kedusha to enter. According to many rishonim, the first time that you daven in the shul, there's a chalois of the chalois. The kedusha kicks in into that place. And until somebody uses the bathroom, it's not a bathroom. But when the bathroom is used, then it becomes a makam atunif. It's not a makam tamay, it's a makam atunif. It's a dirty place where you don't, you don't say Hashem. It's a makam atunif. It makes no difference now if somebody goes over to the bathroom and blesses it. It says, you're holy, Atta Kaddish, Mashim Kaddish. You go over to the bathroom, it's, it's a bathroom. It's a kisei, it's a basic kisei. <coughs> and it makes no difference if somebody comes over here and, and God forbid takes some garbage and throws it into this room and says, I, I, and everybody starts to scream, are you out of your mind? Is it a shul? And he says, no, no, no I, I was mavato the shul before I threw the garbage in. I decided that it's not a shul. It's not. There's no such thing. This is, there's a reality. Now this, of course, is very much connected to the whole sugya of the Besamikdish and Kedusha Rishayin, the Kitschel Hashayit, the Kitschel Asalava. What is the Kedusha of the Harabais after the place was already taken over by our enemies after the Chorban and so on what's the status of Kedusha when it's infiltrated when it's, when it's infiltrated and when it's possessed occupied by Tmeim what happens to the Makhon Kaddish when it's occupied by Tmeim it's a very very big question how to understand now we're not allowed <laughs> to go up to the Harabais right we're not allowed to go up there I mean, to, there are people that go up a certain, to a certain area, which, of course, is against the, the vast majority of posts, to go up there, but they also agree, you can't go all the way up. So, despite the fact that it's been occupied by the Tmeim, there's a Gzairza Kosev in the Gemara that tells us that this, it's still a Makim Kedusha. And a person who goes up in his Tmeim is Chayv Karnas. Now, how, do, how, does that, how does that work? What does that mean? The Chalais of Kedush on a particular place, or on a particular, or particular object, means that there's a Hizgalus of the Shechina, there's a revelation of the Shechina, that because this place this person or this thing in whatever way that means wants to receive and surrenders itself to the light of Hashem just like the student in the Rebbe so then the Ur of Hashem or the Shechina is able to be Mezgala and the, and the Kedusha of that person, place or thing takes effect and is recognized, 
On the other hand, even though there's no question that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everywhere, and Hashem's infinite light creates all that exists every single moment, every single second, and it's everywhere in the same way, nevertheless, if that person of that place or that thing is not bottled, does not surrender itself to Elokos to receive the lesson, so it remains stuck and frozen in its yeshus, in itself, in the coarseness. This is the sitrach or the klipa. It remains stuck in its klipas, in its shells, in that coarseness, and there's no kedusha at all. See, even though there's no, even though the, the truth is malochal aritz kavoda. That Hashem, that Hashem fills everything and lays us upon him, there's no question. But there are people, places, and things that are not prepared to let God in. There are people, places, and things that are simply unwilling or unprepared to allow God to become from a makif to become a panimi. I spoke about this in the past. We'll, we'll finish this, this whole this whole Indian. We'll finish next week. How when the Torah was given to us, it was given in such a way where Hashem surrounded us with a mountain. He held the mountain over our heads. He held the mountain over our heads. And Chassidus explains that the Avisol and others explain that the Torah to us was an Orhamakif. And the challenge was, are we going to let the Torah into our lives? It's essentially, it's the same thing even right now. The Torah surrounds us, and, the, and Hashem is challenging us to open ourselves up and to receive the Torah, the same way at Sinai, to say, Nasev Nishma, to open ourselves up to receive the Torah. Sometimes a person gets to a certain level of his learning, and, and he stops there, and he doesn't move forward. And Hashem holds the mountain over his head, meaning there's a makif now that is challenging him, that's saying to him, are you going to allow this? Right now you feel that you can't let this, this any more power <coughs> into your head, into your life. Are you going to open up to allow this in? That's why Hashem gave us the Torah. He held it over our heads. There's a pechin of a soivev, not a makif. And the challenge always is, are you prepared to let go of your notions, your ideas that are silly, that are immature? Are you prepared to let go of all of that? You look at this Torah now as being something as, as a chiddish. I, I, I can't do this. And you look at your life as pshitas. And Hashem is challenging each and every one of us to change your way of thinking. The mountain is held over the head. Change your way of thinking. And see that piece of Torah as pshitas, something that is, it belongs to you. You can do it. As pshitas. And to see the world, and to see everything in the world, and to see physical life. The way, you know how Tzaddik sees this world? That Tzaddik sees taivas as a chiddish. He sees a taivas as a chiddish, something which is strange. It's a chiddish. And he sees elokus as pshitas. To him, that's pashat elokus. And the, the nonsense, if you, if you go to the Tzad and you ask him to, about the Super Bowl, he says, it's a chiddush that a human being would, 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 would be interested in grown men running around in pajamas, uh, jumping on each other. It's a chiddush. It's a chiddush. A blad kemar and taisus pshitus. 
That's Elokus is pshidus. The world is a chiddush to a tzaddik. It's a chiddush. He forces himself to eat. You understand? It's a chiddush. <coughs> this world is a chiddush. Elokus is bepshidus. The oilmas are a chiddush. The challenge of a regular person to every Jew, the challenge is when the mountain is held over your heads, it looks like it's far away, like it's a chiddush, like God is a chiddush. And what's the pshitas? Staying in bed, indulging in physical things, that's pshitas. But to be a Jew is a chiddush. All of life is to change the makif into a panimi. That's pshitas. To, to, to make that transition, to shift our way of thinking, that we see elokus as pshitas, and to look at things other than Elokus, as, as a Chiddush. And you understand, it's a Chiddush, something different, something strange. This world is the Sitra Achra, like the tiny said, is the Sitra Achra. It's a Chiddush. Elokus is Bepshitus, Bepshitus. That's the Tachlis. We'll just finish the Indian next week. session.